Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with cab drivers. Daniel Paul and Jens Augustovsky have been releasing swinging, functional house records for two decades. The Berliner's hardware jams are perfect DJ tools, but their music carries that certain something which has given much of their material a truly timeless quality. They've been running their label Cabinet for 20 years now, and in conversation with Matt Unicomb, they describe the process and history behind their quest for the perfect loop. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with cab drivers is up next. cab drivers like uh the name wasn't intentional i heard on this uh savan interview that you did daniel yeah. he asked you where does the name come from and it didn't actually mean like taxi driver no me actually i didn't know that it means a taxi driver at this time um the story is just the the short version of cap is cabinet or, or the other way around it's uh, the short version of cabinet is cap and we are driving the label cabinet and so we thought okay make let's make a short thing and cab drivers yeah it's like driving a business so we are driving cabinet records so cab drivers it's also pretty driving house music <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> so it fits yeah so are you guys like it seems like you guys are, are you releasing more the last couple of years Yeah, yeah, we are still active. So what inspired, like, it, well, last year you put out three things, which, mm, yeah. well, at least three. Three is cab drivers, including the reissue. Mm, even more, I think. Mm. Here and there, a lot of um, some little tracks, um, for example. Remixes, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. So we, we, we remix a lot um, and we get a lot of remix requests. Um Yes, last year I I can't remember how many uh, records um, we released so uh, exactly, but maybe it was uh, four or something or five as cab drivers. So three years or four years ago we no it's five or six years ago uh, we we met again. So we had a we had a production break. So everybody of us was doing 
his um, own thing. So, and then we we met together and was trying to produce together. Uh, and the first pro production, uh, we felt in love and we decided uh, to do it uh, on a regular way, so once per week. And since uh, that time, we meet once per week and do one track minimum per week. So um, that's why we have a lot of uh, tracks. Um, and then the day came um, what to do with all those tracks. and. Yeah, so we decided to uh, release it again. Then we was thinking about uh, AKA, so um, <clears throat> or the name of the project we can use. So maybe you know that we have a lot of project names in the past. Yeah, then it uh, fitted the best um, to use cab drivers again. So and that's why we have cab drivers on the road again, sitting in their own cab. So, how long were you not making music together for? We um, actually, I think it started in '92. Actually, where we we met in the end of '91 at a civil service. We both decided to make a civil service, not going to the army. And um, I think at that time, Jens Sky was more the DJ, and I had st I already started producing with Atari and a little bit synthesizer stuff. And in 92, we was just thinking, well, you have good influences. I have my own way of thinking and making music. So I know a little bit how to make music. So let's meet in the studio and let's find out what we can do. So we did one session, two th sessions, and we found out that we have a good chemistry to build up a track. So on, we, we started little and just recorded little tracks, which was never released, it was just try and errors stuff. And then um, we slowly built our studio, bought machines, synthesizers, learned about more the MIDI thing, the how to record, blah, blah, blah. And so I think it was then 93 where we re uh, released the first track. And 95 we started Cabinet Records together. True story. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like making house in Berlin back then? Well, in the beginning it was a bit more influenced from um, techno, like guys from Tanit. We was going out uh, at Trisor. I mean, and or other tra clubs like Planet, and we was quite young. I mean, 22, around around about this. And of course, we were young, and we, you know, wanted to express ourselves and wanted to dance, and so we was getting a lot of influences from club to club scene, and it was more a mixture of break beats, techno house but rave and that's what we took in the studio with us so the inspirations and later when we started the melting point record store um, we had friends like dj mitch or armin they had more the the housey influence on us i think and we started to um, produce a bit more um, slower and a bit <laughs> more nice yes. not too crazy you know and um yeah pff, influences man it's come came they came from everywhere so what kind of djs were playing this slower stuff back then well like, was it popular because uh, you hear so much about this fast techno 
Beadwork and Trezor being what just seems like that was the dominant thing back then. But you know what? But slow means not slow uh, in in the number of BPMs or something. So slow means it's more a feeling, so an expression. So don't be hard, be more soft and soulful and and housey. So uh, if you you listen to our um, music back in the days, so this is not slow. So we are... we was still on, I don't know, 128 uh, or 126 uh, beats per minute. So it's not slow in that kind. But, but I it, guess it's slow compared to the techno that was coming out then. Yeah, BPM was. Yeah, but but the circles um, in, in the circles in uh, that we are was um, moving around. It it was it never wasn't. Uh, so representing uh, a fast way or, or fast kind of techno. So it, it was always about um, the strengths. Um, and we had a um, phase uh, where we were, were listening to uh, Woody McBride, uh, you know, DJ ESP uh, on his imprint uh, Communic uh, or Drop Bass Network. So of course, there were a lot of fast uh, records in uh, in uh, terms of BPMs, but there also were um, powerful slower records um, with dark uh, TB303s and uh, heavy pumping bass. We we never felt in in love with only one kind of music. So uh, we have phases all all the time. So. Especially uh, right now, we are in a in an analog phase. So we are producing analog in the studio also, and we have a favorite um, number of BPMs. So um, and we we like to to uh, sound um, the way we sound these days. But I don't know. Maybe next month uh, we put the sampler on and uh, sample some uh, house divas or something. But. Uh the Berlin DJs who influenced us a lot was DJ Mitch from Melting Point, who's running it um, today. Like and um, Armin was our partner too. And there was Kriton, for example, who's is, um, a Greek guy who's still living in Berlin. And uh, we had influences from from clay or from from rock. Uh, rock was um, especially for me. He was my first hero. Uh, I saw him at UFO UFO in uh, Schöneberg, and um, I was totally fra- flashed. Uh, he was playing together, I think, with Tanit, and um, they totally kicked me. So, and this uh, was short short after the wall uh, came down, and first time I was going to to a club was uh, UFO and it hits me from the back so and it never left me so um, and from then uh, there were a lot of influences yeah so what was it like going to UFO for the first time like what what kind of sounds were they playing it was 1990 or something yeah, it was punchy, ravey signal sound yeah with a heavy 909 and I can't remember exactly what track um, or what what uh, tunes um, I was listening to, but I remember the feeling and the atmosphere. Fog inside, uh, stroboscopic lights, uh, and a huge sound system, and everybody was on fire. So um, I couldn't stand it for 30 seconds. 
do any clubs these days like come close to replicating that feeling? Like I don't know how much you still go out, but I think yeah. the music changed a bit since then. Uh, like we said, it was a bit more the experimental phase of a lot of producers, and um, it, it also came with the technology of making music. I mean, with new synthesizers, new possibilities. Um, these days. Hard to say, really. I mean, we play a lot in the moment, but we don't go out that much. And maybe the closest thing is Tresor still downstairs. I mean, in the in the Tresor, not Globus Club. Um, so heavy stroboscope, heavy fog, loud sound system. But I think um, the music went a little bit more minimal these days. Back in the days you could hear things like Dominator from R&S Records and mixed with LFO tracks, you know, it was more wide-ranged. Yeah, music which became uh, icons. Um, today, um, as Daniel says, um, very often we have the impression that DJs uh, which are playing um, at the same club Uh, where we play, um, playing beat tracks only, and then the next beat track. And there are uh, not much harmonies, not much melodies. So it's sometimes... Um, Emotions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is where uh, what we talk about a lot. So where are the harmonies, where are the feelings inside uh, a track? So, and... Often we have the feeling uh, we are at a beat track party. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Uh, there's a lot of really cool like rhythmic music. Yeah, but so true. much of it is missing melody. They are good. I mean, the, they work exactly. It's um, they shake your body, and I mean, without any drug, you go there, and um, when you listen to it, uh, you get bored after one a half hour. I mean, you can dance to it like a half hour and then some after a while you think something is missing yeah and if it could be a message a sound uh, a melody and pad whatever and rapper <laughs> i don't really care but I, sometimes i miss a bit the entertainment you know well that's the thing about you guys your music is often really loopy and rhythmic but there's always some melody or something happening on top which yeah. isn't actually that common in this kind of stripped-back house? Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's, um... Is it good or bad for you? <laughs> well, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's a very, like, distinctive sound, I think. Like, so, when you think of the DJs, like, who play this kind of stuff, yeah, a lot of the other stuff they play is just pure, like, rhythm tracks yeah. with some weird... You yeah. can always tell when they're playing a, crab, a cab driver's track. So we are... We are Of course, we love beats and um, we wouldn't uh, do this kind of music if we wouldn't love uh, beat tracks. But we, mm, I don't know why it is, but uh, if we work together, we have a special atmosphere maybe in the studio and we are always searching for that 
special sound or a sweet spot you can freeze and uh, stretch over maybe five or four minutes and of course we we love if our tracks are pumpy and leads you to the floor to the dance floor so that's why some of our names uh, or, or the name of our tracks um um, are playing with that. Um, our new release, uh, which came out yesterday, has uh, the name Ground Service. So in a special meaning, you can say our record is a service uh, for, for the dance floor, the ground. So to fill it, maybe. So that would be nice if it uh, works like, like that. I think we just like to layer to answer your question. It's, um, it's good to have a base for track. I mean... Um, a simple bass, like a groove. You described it the best in your last review for Playroom. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you said there's, there's always something you can choose, what you can follow with your mind, um, but there's other stuff going on, so it's something for your hips and your mind. You can choose the, the, the more, let's say, functional thing on the track from us, or a more let's say, spiritual or cosmic or, or whatever uh, thing. And yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, it entertains you in, in different ways for your feet, your hips and your ears. So how is the mood when you're producing together? Because I think most, if not all of your tracks, are very happy sounding. It depends. Yeah. I mean, when we go in the studio, we have always influences. I mean, from the family, from politics, from whatever. <laughs> so that affects you somehow when you go in the studio. Yeah, when your life is not too bad, so um, the music can be um, happy, as you say. But uh, happy, uh, I never... Um, so I, f I think if I listen to my music, so maybe I'm allowed to say that, um, it makes me happy. So, But um, I don't have the feeling that our music is happy in a way like... Um, without of any meanings and um, just... Um, like if you're going on a green uh, carpet with um, flowers or something. So, but it's good if the music makes, especially Daniel and me, at at first happy. So, and if other people make uh, like our music also and they're happy, we are happy again. And has it always been like that? Like when you when you were younger, well, you made this techno thing. It's the Cora. What's the This Caro. Caro. Yeah. Caro. Caro. Yeah. Caro is um, it's a it's a symbol from a card game. You know, the famous card game where you have the heart and the cross. I don't know, we, we just choose that because we found it somehow interesting. <laughs> and yes. uh, there's not, not a real special meaning behind that. But So we have a uh, another name for another project name called Princess. Yeah, so and we are we are boys, you know. So. I mean When, you, when we go in the studio, even back in the days, we had influences from records, from stuff we heard in the record shop, where we was there, like, let's say, eight or six hours a day, and you hear a lot of records. And when you finish with your work, then you go in the studio and think, okay, 
I need to eat something. And then what about all these influences we had from the day? So, and is it raining outside? <laughs> It's, uh, how was the mood in general? What, uh, or do I like the sound from the new synthesizer we have since a couple of days or just bought today? That makes you, you know, I think we're looking for emotions and it can be happy, it can be dark, it can be a beat track and it can be something in the middle. I don't know. It's um, Influences come from everywhere, even from back in the days like Daniel Dixon, The Stick Man and uh, Moody Man, of course. And even Plastic Man had a little influence and Daniel Bell and... LFO, uh, a lot. And we took that sometimes with, with us in the studio and somehow we were still experiencing with uh, our studio trying to sound like this or that. And um, after a while we thought, okay, now we understand how other people produce, but let's try our own, own cabinet sound, let's say, which has its own... Um, thing color <laughs> let's say color yeah it's it has its own color what were the reactions to it back like when you started it in 95 like were many djs playing it yes so we had some uh, releases before we had this uh, own label but with um cabinet records the first releases we did uh with uh acme in uh toronto so the um, the boys uh, from stickman and with them we had a press and distribution deal so this helped us a lot uh to get visibility and so at the beginning we had very very good response and Uh, it's not the most important thing, but it's good to to see how good something worked. We had good sales. That's why we um, went any further. So, and today we we hear very often that um, a lot of DJs, um, even young DJs, have our records in her bags as please understand me right, uh, as a secret weapon. So even the old records from the uh, early days. So it's it's more like we, we um, see these days how um, good things worked and the, the past days. You can see the Discogs prices, like it's a hyped sound now somehow. Because it's this jacking, I don't know, yeah. it's this timeless kind of house sound. Yeah. Like any DJ could play it yes. and it's going to sound fat and punchy it's really nice to see that and that this the records are still working let's say <laughs> and or taking you on a journey or just hitting you uh, on, in the hips but you know when we started the label then um, back in the days um, there was no internet it was slowly starting we just had an um, the fax number on our um, records that was it and so we got a little bit back from DJs. Um, there was no Facebook who was, uh, you know, you were seeing a hype of a track or something. So we just did our music, kept on going, releasing stuff <clears throat> and heard a little story here and there. For, for, um, and But I have to say, um, there was a really impressive moment for me uh, when we was in Toronto. In 96, uh, we was taking a car and making a little tour 
from Toronto to Detroit, Chicago and back. And we arrived in Chicago and was a bit lost because uh, we couldn't find a hotel, but we find someone who helped us, Coleman, I think was his name. Yes. <laughs> and, at Gramophone um, Records. And he was saying, hey guys, don't worry, you can stay at my couch for one night and maybe you find a hotel tomorrow. And he was kind of, he was working at Gramophone, right? And knowing the scene. And he said, hey guys, what about going to Shelter? This was the a big club in, in Chicago, I think, I think it still is. So we went there and uh, felt a bit like, ooh, okay, wow, it feels a bit like Berlin, but just tried to have fun. <laughs> And we were dancing, yeah. so we started dancing. And in the moment, I think the second track they the DJ played was one of the tracks we just released. And this was like, wow! You could see all the people around us was dancing, a lot of black people, and um, it was like, wow! What 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 a magic moment! Yeah. You know, you go in a, in a foreign city. Can you say that? Yeah. yeah. And you started you start dancing and the DJ is playing your music and what what it affects I mean to you and the people around you and it's this was a magic moment for me and keep me going on with making music because this is one of the best moments you can have I think as a musician mm. like it was a surprise you know and um, came in the right moment and it was like wow <laughs> thanks so what other house music were you listening to? Were you into like what Playhouse and this Frankfurt crew was doing? Because I think that there's some similarities there with you guys. Yeah, I mean, we never met him. Yeah, was it popular in Berlin? Yes. Like yeah. Frankfurt, so we, Playhouse. We, we were know. listening to a lot of music. As Daniel told at the beginning, so we had an own record shop. We opened uh, Melting Point Records uh, at 1994. So one year before we uh, founded uh, Cabinet Records. And yeah, we listened uh, the whole day to new music. Of course, there was music from, from uh, Playhouse and, and other labels, but it was clear very, very fast, I think, that we loved most uh, records from Chicago, from Detroit. And this is what, um, especially me or maybe Daniel also, I think so, uh, influenced a lot. So every relief record uh, which came uh, fresh uh, with the UPS man or... Balance, Prescription, Balance. Yes. Moody Man, yeah. Underground Resistance. There was so much good music back in the days. And yeah. I, 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 I kind of like miss that a bit in the moment. I mean, there's good stuff coming. Beat tracks. But maybe it's... Yeah, there could be more, I think. What does that music have, like this relief sound? Like, uh, what does that emotions, have? yeah, and uh, special moments. So um, and it's also it's uh, for me it's a rhythmic thing. So um, I like if um, the beats are shuffled or if there is a little bit of flavor of Latin. And these Chicago guys played a lot with this um, uh, ingredients. Yeah, shuffled beats, shuffled fat beats, um, some organic sounds, um, yeah, harmonics. Do you think it has to do with the, with the equipment people use now? Ableton is a good program if you know how to work with it. But it for me, it makes things a bit too easy to work with um, making beats when we 
now we come back to the point with the beats. So I think everyone can do it, understanding the program in maybe one hour. But then you should dig a bit more deeper and find uh, interesting sounds or using samples, whatever. Um, and back in the days, people was um, producing with um, the MPC, loading uh, or sampling disco records, whatever, dubbing it and or building a strange atmosphere and jamming crazy things. Yeah, I think so. It has something to do with how do you make music, even the clean sound from Ableton you can have. But it has this good and strange side for me. I miss a bit the, the hum, the, the magic in, in the program. Seems like music back then was somehow a bit more random. Like the beat would be going along, there'd be, there'd be some crazy break and like someone yelling or... I don't know, it just seems... Like a random product. So yeah. it's kind of... Um, yeah, maybe. So if we do music these days, um, as we told before, we we go in the studio and work with the with the real machines. So and we are jamming around, <laughs> and then we will maybe after three hours or two or four, it depends. We will have, if we are lucky, well, we have a sweet spot. So and we try to freeze it and stretch it. I mean, we work for over 20 years now together, and um, if we jam together, so we watch e each other and uh, twinkle with the eye. And um, Daniel or me, I we know what to do. So uh, go to the break or um, playing the harmony. We um, have. Um, trained uh, while jamming before so and it's it's not that random but we try to keep the magic of a jam so uh, if you uh, pre-arrange everything like you can do with Ableton for every millisecond of a track then maybe it's losing its magic a track it's losing its magic because this um, pre-arranging and this mathematical uh, arranging of a track uh, can kill the the wave, um, the emotion of a track. It's still a good track, maybe. So and it's working and pumpy and it sounds good and has all it needs. But it's like uh, reading between the lines if you read a good book or uh, a text. So you can't read between the lines anymore because everything is planned and somehow you you can feel it or we do feeling it. So and that's why we try to jam because we feel there is kind of magic while jamming and we try to keep it. I think back in the days it was a bit more limited to the the sounds and the production wise. I mean you can make a really good track with just an MPC or an um, the EMU SP12, I mean the, the drum machine, this little sampler which is Theo Parrish using a lot. And when you are limited a bit to uh, what you can do, you concentrate more on the sounds and trying to make that little thing perfect. And I think these days with the millions of possibilities uh, you have in Ableton, you can 
get lost and losing the magic moment, I think. But you have to trust yourself. <laughs> you should stand. When you make music, dance music, you should try to dance to it. If it's not working, then it's not working. And um, you should put yourself in, in, a, in, a mo in, in a... In a mood. In a mood where you think, okay, I like to dance now, so please... Um, Make me dance, Ableton. <laughs> four, four years ago, we was uh, sitting uh, in front of Ableton uh, and uh, sharing the mouse yeah, between the two of us uh, while we were sitting. And we have uh, tracks with 10 or 12 versions. So because we were pre-productioning and pre-planning everything, every little millisecond. So, ah, here at uh, minute one, so maybe we can have a little reverb for five milliseconds, sounds awesome. Yes, uh, it did, but the result was a nice track, but it wasn't grabbing our souls anymore. So now, as Daniel told, we are dancing in the studio. So, and we are standing at the machines programming. I think that's kind of old school way too. I mean, putting a machine in front of you and start jamming. And if you produce and have a really good moment, then keep that, making a track, keeping it looping or whatever, make it five minutes long or whatever. So, As long as it works, it works. That's, I think, how the producers, like from Relief or how they just did it. It's definitely not as common now as it used to be. I'm not sure. I, I think a lot of people are doing it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but a lot of people are using Ableton and a lot of people are using both. So, we are not against Ableton. So, uh, this is uh, not a manifest against Ableton uh, or a manifest for jamming life. It's, it's about the atmosphere you have while you're producing a dance track. So, if we produce uh, atmospheric um, chill-out music, We can sit and share the mouse between us. But if we want to have that special dance feeling, so we have to dance and we have to uh, squeeze the knobs and push the buttons and um, program some breaks and uh, uh, trying some chords um, and stop and try again and start again. And I think today everybody can choose the way he wants to produce music. So it's not a manifest against Ableton or for producing only with machines. It's, it's about the mood and special atmosphere. And of course the power um, which, came, which is coming out from the machines, it's different. Um, so if you use uh, original, uh, let me say, Uh, TR909 uh, instead of um, plug-in at Ableton, which is totally compressed, which is very clean, there's no crickle and noise and no hum. It, it, it makes a difference uh, uh, in the sum of a, of a track. So all this little hum and crackle and, uh, and noise, these little noises, it makes a sound like uh, we love it. So warm, dynamic, organic moving how does it, your live set work is someone on beats and someone's using synths or that's somehow open i mean we can do both the same we build it together we brought always ideas if we both was happy with it we know both understand the idea what we can do live so that's 
totally free. I mean, we, we both jam, like in the studio where we work the machines. Is, um, we both know what they can do or cannot do. So how did, so just say you've, you've made a nice loop that you're really happy with. Yeah. What's the process? Like what happens in d- between discovering this nice loop and then ending up with a finished track? Well, then we, I think we, we DJs and we like it somehow DJ friendly. So when we produce a track, so we mostly start with beats because it's easy to mix with another record. We start, so we start there and trying to lead to the sweet spot. And while we did the, the jam or the way to the perfect loop, um, we was having a little thing here and there and we always store that, like put an effect right in the moment here, live on an analog mixer. When someone of us is saying, okay, wow, that was a good moment, please keep that for the jam. And um, so we collecting ideas um, f- in the, for the perfect loop without destroying it you know <laughs> the idea and when we start the recording for the final jam then we okay we start with the beats trying to build up the track lead to the um, speed spot and around it we play around with the possibilities with effects extra sounds and modulations yeah. of the synthesizers so if we if we are after some hours if we are happy with what we have so then we recognize all the all the little tricks uh, we had while we we we, are, we was jamming and train it uh, kind of uh, so uh, how was it uh, one hour ago can you can if we record now can you Do you know how to push the button uh, or squeeze the knob or open a filter or add some effect or something? And then so everybody um, going um, through all the the last three, four hours and uh, recall it. And um, then we extend uh, the beats so that we program maybe on the 909 we program uh, an opening pattern a break pattern um, a main pattern pattern without b uh, without hats or claps or something like this so that we have some varies or varieties um, of everything so and then we play with the possibilities and yeah. and sometimes that creates um, mistakes <laughs> But sometimes these mistakes are making the track. We worked this way when we started in '94, when we found out that you can sync machines, having one master and every, everything is in a slave, like other, all other machines. And there was no other way. There was no a door program like Cubase or um, like Ableton, like today. There was no total recall thing. So when we was going in the studio, we knew we had to finish it today. So we put on the machines, put them in sync, started making loops, beats, buildings, build-ups, adding sounds, having like Cubase and also Enslave, who was shooting um, like MIDI loops. There we learned how to build a track. Some years ago, two or three years ago, we remembered how we did that back in the days, being limited with the technology, but having good sounds. Uh, we know they work well, like the Nano 9, the 101, the 303. We was wondering if it could work well these days. So we bought the machines back. <laughs> 
and um, still had some of the old equipment, mostly we had, and um, was going in the studio say, okay, let's do it like 20 years ago or <laughs> 15 years ago. And, and we were really surprised how, how much fun it made and how, how much magic it can create. To be honest, um, there are also jams where we think, hmm, shit, <laughs> this was, um, maybe this was too loud. Um, because when we jam, we're recording just the stereo sum, no extra parts. So, and it can be heaven or hell. <laughs> and, uh, but you mostly notice at least in the next day. So when you listen again to the jam and think, wow, perfect. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, there was also moments where we thought, wow, there's, why we, we didn't hear that the bass line was too loud or the kick too loud or the hi-hats too um, sharp, too sharp, whatever. Sometimes you can rescue it, but, um, but, but the good thing is we record 25 or 30 minutes so um, so that we have three versions all on the same level and then we can edit parts maybe cut something out cut something in or paste something in so that we have an, enough material so it's probably pretty hard to explain but what does a loop need to be a good loop uh, that's a good question yeah it's a feeling i guess <laughs> it's a feeling it needs yeah. the right swing you know it has to swing inside you so There are thousand millions of loops outside and most of them are boring because they are technical. They are straight four to the clock, yeah, bum, 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 and there's no swing, no feeling, no notes between. It's hard to explain. So This swing is so important, isn't it? This groove. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So much dance music these days just doesn't have it. It's just this uniform. Yeah. I mean, we not always use the swing. Sometimes the track works better when it's really straight and the ghost notes in between make the groove. But a swing, yeah, I, we love that, I think. It's uh, on some drum machines, the swing is uh, named human uh, shuffle. So uh, maybe this is the secret behind. So if a band, a real band, uh, is playing drums or, or a drummer is playing drums, so he never is that accurate like a drum machine could be. It makes, uh, it makes it natural. It makes it... Um, Daniel, how to explain? Alive. It makes more yeah. alive. When you hear a track, you can sometimes hear every sing single thing and then you understand what's doing it, but it doesn't really hit you. And when you have a an, an groove, which is feels natural, and you don't answer the question, why is it that like that? And you're just taking it and saying, okay, wow, I love that. It's, um, I think that's the moment we are looking for in the studio, just um, building a groove. And a bass line, for me, is very important. The bass line makes the bass <laughs> somehow and half of the rent <clears throat> yeah and um, that's what we are looking for and really new good flow like it could be a four bar or eight bar loop um, it doesn't really matter but it has to take you you know it has to without telling you any question 